Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Did you know, did you know that you can be in a moment and completely miss it? That you can be completely present and yet completely absent all at the same time? Do you know that? We had some people round for dinner a little while ago and they were talking about the ballet and they, they were talking about Swan Lake. And I said, like, I've never been to Swan Lake. And if I'm honest, I don't plan to ever go to Swan Lake. And this look of horror and disgust went over my wife's face. And I was like, what's the problem? You know I don't like ballet. And she said, but you took me. And I was like, what what are you talking about? I never took you to Swan Lake. And she said, well, do you remember that time we went to Brighton? I was like, yeah, I love Brighton. She said, and we had uh, chips on the pier. And I was like, yeah, they they were really good chips. And there was that steel band playing on the promenade and people were dancing. And I was like, that was a fun night. She said, and then we went to this theatre and it was all arty and it was fun. And I was like, yeah, I remember that theatre. That was cool. She said, and we sat down on our seats and the ballet came out. Nope. <laughs> God, like, I can literally, I can remember going down the fire escape at the end of the show. But anything that happened in the middle is gone. And I'll be, I'll be honest, just between like all of you and me, uh, I'm a little bit scared because I don't know what happened to me. But I'm worried that something went down in that theatre that was so traumatic that I have just erased it from my memory forever after. But this is the truth. This is something that we do. You know, we can be places and not be there, that we can just completely miss the moment. I think that we do this in our families. You can be in a marriage and you cannot be in that marriage. You know, we do it in our work and you're just counting down the hours to the end of the day. We do it here in church. I was talking to someone just the other day. They put their hand up and said, I want to become a Christian. I almost slapped the hand back down. I was like, you've been here for three years. What are you talking about you want to become a Christian? He said, well, I've been here, but I haven't been here. You know, I've been in the family, but I've not been in the family. I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. He was here, but he was missing it. And we do this all the time. And I think that Christmas is even worse. It's so easy to just be in Christmas and completely miss the point. I don't know what yours is like, but for me, Christmas every year just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I'm at a point where like in my diary, I'm like, Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. until 9.45, have some fun. Like, because it gets that mental, I need to schedule fun in my life. It's completely crazy. And like, you can... You can do everything right at Christmas. You can turn up here. You can wear your green sweater, the one with the Rudolph the reindeer, with that nose that flashes when you press the button, holding a gingerbread latte, whistling Bing Crosby, and completely miss it. You can completely miss the whole point. We had some friends who lived next door to us, and... um, and every Christmas, they would, they would go through December and they would say that they would cut down to one meal a day. They'd skip breakfast and dinner and they'd just have lunch. And when I asked them why they were doing that, they were like, because we want to spend all our money on our kid, like their one daughter. And so they would, they would pull back, they wouldn't buy anything and everything would go on this daughter. And I remember going in the house one Christmas day and it was like 
pillars of pink plastic. You've never seen so much pink plastic in your life. It was like, I was, uh, but it, <laughs> it was just pillars. I couldn't sit down because there was presents absolutely everywhere. The room was full of presents. It was crazy. Boxes outside piled up. Like this family, they couldn't afford winter coats, but they were spending thousands and thousands of pounds on presents. And I was like, you know, I get it. I, I, I get what you're trying to do here. I get, I get that you love your daughter. I get that you want to express this to her. I, want, I, I understand that you want it to be amazing, but I think you're missing the point. It's like you're, you're doing the what of presents, like 10 out of 10. You're doing the what amazingly, but you've somehow missed the why. You've missed the point. You're there and you're not there. And that's what I really want us to talk about today is the point, the moment, that, that place where you can be where you're right there in the heart of it. And, and I think presence is a really a prime example of this because we so often just do things, don't we? We just do it. We go through the motions. We, we live life and we don't know why. And so I wonder if you know why you even buy presents at Christmas. Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's find people, two or three people around you. Paul, you'll probably have to move. Um, Ask, why do we do presents at Christmas? What are the traditions? What's the history? What's the point? Why do you think we do this whole present thing? Find some people, have a chat. You've got about 90 seconds. If you're online, you can do it as well. Why not write stuff on the comments? Get involved. If there's somebody sitting nearby you who's not got an obvious two or three, bring them into your conversation. Let's be friendly. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull you back in. I'm gonna pull you back in. Come to me. Okay, I was told once that if you do this, that the entire room would go silent. Oh, that's incredible. Why would that work? Makes no sense. Um, tell me, why do we give presents? Anybody, shout something else, speak to me. Why do you think we give presents at Christmas? Love, great answer. Histories and traditions was more what I was going for, but I love love. Anybody? Somebody said the wise man brought gifts for the baby Jesus. Fantastic. So there's this story in the Bible uh, of, of these wise men. Uh, how many of them were there? We don't know. Correct. You have been studying at Sunday school. Good job. There was not three. There were three presents. Read Matthew 2, and it won't tell you how many they were. And they bought these three presents, which were... Yeah, I think that was gold, frankincense, and myrrh that you said. So they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and these are fascinating presents as well, right? Like myrrh comes from the resin of the myrrh tree. And it was used in, in ointment. And actually, you would anoint a king with this myrrh oil. It had this incredible smell. Like, it's a really significant present. 
It's fascinating as well, when Jesus dies at the end of the book of John, they say that they wrapped his body in linen and they anointed that linen in myrrh. Fascinating, significant presence. So these, these wise men, these, these magi, they, they go on this huge journey following a star and then they get to the baby Jesus and what do they do? They give each other presents. They're like, well done, Akbar. Here's an Xbox 360. Congratulations, you made it. I'm so old. I should be saying Xbox One, shouldn't I? Apologies. If you don't know, here's a master system. Um, uh, well done, Belshazzar. Here's a new camera. Like, they, didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't give each other presents. They arrived and they gave Jesus these presents. They gave Jesus these really significant gifts. And so in the story of the, the kings, the wise men, uh, it's really a story of people who aren't going to stay where they are, but they're willing to leave their homes, leave their family, leave their community, and go in search of Jesus. And when they get there, it's like, we're going to give to Jesus. Amazing. Wise men. Why else? Why, why do we give at Christmas? Any other ideas? Oh, because God gave. Very good. I love that answer. Because God gave us first. Is that what we're thinking? God gave us first. So here's your brand new book by a good author. I don't know. I'll give you another one. I'll give you a clue. Did anybody say Santa Claus? Anybody say Santa Claus? Does anybody think Santa Claus is something influencing presents at Christmas? I don't know, maybe. Let me give you, for those of you that would have said it, but you're like, I'm in church. I'm not allowed to say Santa Claus. Let me give you a little bit of history on Santa Claus, because Santa Claus was a real person. If you look back in history, it's St. Nicholas, uh, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. Uh, and he was uh, a person who was alive about 300 years after Jesus. And he was from an incredibly affluent family. And his parents died at a very, very young age. And he had this amazing inheritance that he had. And the story of, of St. Nicholas was that he had this encounter with Jesus, that he met him in this radical way that completely transformed his life. And he couldn't look at the world in the same way. And he started looking at everything differently. And he saw these people who were all around him in Turkey, where he's actually from. And he, he saw the poor. And he saw these kids who had no homes. And he was like, I can't not see that anymore. And so he started giving his money away. He started giving them gifts. He started buying them places to live. He started to look after all the needy around him. That's the story of St. Nicholas. So, so if your kids ask you, Santa Claus is real. And he loves Jesus. And he's awesome. He was part of the first council in Christianity who came together and said, we're going to make it official. We need to affirm this. Everyone needs to know Jesus is God. He's that Santa Claus. But then what happened is years after years after years, there's all these traditions that kind of pile up on top of the stories. You find like in the 12th century, these nuns, they're like, in the name of Santa Claus, we're going to go and give gifts to the poor. And then it kind of got mingled in with the, the kind of the old British tradition of, of, of Father Christmas. It was like this pagan idea of like the father of Christmas. And we started giving Santa Claus this white beard and these rosy cheeks. And then gradually, all of these different ideas and traditions came together. The 18 and 1900s, we really solidified the picture. And what you now think of Santa Claus is largely based on that. 1930s, 1940s, advertisers, commercialism came on. They added all the reindeers, Rudolph, and that's what we got to. But, but at the heart, the story of St. Nicholas is a man who gave everything. Who said, I'm not going to look away. I can't not see what's happening around me. 
any other ideas? Why do we give? The one that I was expecting somebody to say, which you didn't say, which I'll just put out there for is, it's Jesus' birthday, 25th of December. Does anybody ever say that? That's often what I say to my kids. Oh, we give because it's Jesus' birthday, so we give presents to Jesus in you. Like, I don't know. I don't know how we justify it. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of presence, I think is how the verse goes. Uh, but let me unpack this as well, because this is the thing in the church, right? The 25th of December, we celebrate Christmas, it's Jesus' birthday. That's the thing. Uh, and, and some of you will know a little bit more, and you might have heard that the 25th of December also happens to be uh, the Roman sun god's birthday. Uh, and there'll be some, some, maybe some critics and people here who are like, I don't, I don't really get this. It's a bit of a, a coincidence, isn't it? Like Jesus' birthday and the Roman sun god's birthday on the same day. It sounds like someone was copying someone. It's a bit awkward. And so in case you meet those people, which they're all around you thinking it, I'll be honest. This is the story of why we got that. Back in the day, uh, in the Roman Empire, because Christianity was birthed out of the Roman Empire, so we have to talk about it. There was this, this festival called Saturnalia, and it was named after the Roman god Saturn. And the, the god Saturn, he was the god of farming and, architect, and ar- agriculture. I knew it began with an A. He was the god of farming and agriculture. And they would have the seven-day feast, which would finish on the 25th of December, which was the sun god's birthday. And so this feast, Saturnalia, it was like wild, crazy, binge fest. No one was working people drunk on the streets, running around naked. Uh, men would dress up as women and animals and lie in the dirt. and do, It was weird and dark and crazy and everything goes. Who thinks that they've been to a Christmas party like that? <laughs> yeah. It was mental. It was mad. But there was also like some good within it too because you had seven days off work. And so people would go and they would spend time with their families. And they would have these amazing meals, and they would feast, and they would love each other. It was a time when people would collect money and they would give it to the poor. They would look for people who had nothing and look out for them and give to them. It was a time when people would sing songs about Saturnalia. What a wonderful time of the year. They would, they would come together and they would light candles. They would go out and they would get pine branches and they would bring the pine branches in to decorate their homes. And then they would say prayers together. Fascinating, right? And they would give each other presents. How interesting. And so we then have this picture of this church which is birthed. And they're in the context of Saturnalia and they're looking at it and they're like, do you know what, there's some really cool stuff in this and there's some really like totally weird stuff going on here. What do we do? Like, do we, do we just go for it and be like, hey, we'll celebrate Saturnalia, although we don't believe in all of these gods and that's going to give out the wrong message? Or do we go like, I'm just going to turn my back on this, like there's too much weirdness in this. And somebody, we don't know who, he had this brilliant idea and he said, what if we could do something really sneaky? What if we could do something really clever? What would happen if we put Jesus in the middle of this festival? What would it do? He was like, we're off work anyway. Nobody knows when Jesus was really born. It probably wasn't the 25th of December. What if we just said we're going to celebrate Jesus' birth? 
And so they started doing that, and so they started giving presents, but they didn't just give presents. They were like, I'm giving you this present as a signpost to remind you of Jesus. We're going to sing the songs, but we're not going to sing the songs to Saturn. What if we wrote our own songs and we sung them about Jesus? What if we took all the good and made it about Jesus? And it was, it was crazy, and it was radical, and it was controversial. It was so controversial that in 1647, the church said, you know what, we've had enough. We're canceling Christmas. This is too suspicious. Oliver Cromwell came and he said, that sounds way too much like a good time. And maybe you're here today and you're like, actually, Christmas is based on a pagan festival. Like, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that. And maybe you're like, maybe I'll cancel Christmas. But I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to because I think that we can do something incredible in this season. But here's my point. I'm telling you those stories because I think that there's a common link to every single one of them. I think that every single one of them was in a position which was very hard and was very different and very difficult, but that they maximized the moment, that they looked at what was around them and they said, do you know what? I'm going to impact this situation right now. I'm going to be present here. I'm going to bring Jesus here. I'm going to do something different right here, right now. And I believe, I truly believe that when we talk about give more, which is really what the talk is supposed to be about, we can get completely misunderstanding what it's all about. We think money, we think presents, and we think all of this stuff. I think that giving more isn't to do with your finances. It's to do with your ability to say right here in this moment, I'm going to maximize it. I'm going to look at what's happening right here. I'm not going to miss it, but I'm going to go for it. So I want to give you two points today, just two points, because I couldn't think of a third. I'm going to give you two points about how we maximize the moment, how we're present at Christmas. Uh, and the first point is simply this. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it, and I did. We need to learn to find the extra in our ordinary. We need to learn to find the extra in our ordinary. I don't know what Christmas looks like for you. I don't know if it's the happiest time of the year or the hardest time of the year. I don't know what season you're in right now. I don't know if this is a season of joy or if this is a season of pain. If this is a season of I'm just going for it or if you're in a season of like I'm just holding back. I don't know what you think this season is for you. But I do know that you don't get to choose it. You know, you can't choose the season of your life that you're in, however much you'd want to. You can't turn around and say, hey, I'm just in a me season right now. You know, I don't get to choose my season. But what I do get to choose is my attitude in the middle of it. God chooses your seasons and you don't. And I think that, that we often get to this place where it's like we're waiting for something to happen. We're waiting for the season to change. We're waiting for a mountaintop moment or a disaster to strike so that we can then say, right, I'm here, Lord. I'm ready to go for this. We're waiting for Jesus to literally turn up and anoint us we're waiting for some revival to break out. We're waiting for something extraordinary. And that's not the story of Christmas. Jesus' story at Christmas is not what Hollywood shows you. It's not a picture of the sublime. It's a picture of the average. It's a picture of the ordinary. It's a picture of dirty stables and smelly cattle. It's a, a picture of Jesus who was in heaven, who had everything, leaving it. I love the way that Philippians writes this. This is just epic. If you've got a Bible, find this and read it along with me. Philippians chapter 2. I've not put it on the screen. If you've got our, our church app, there's a Bible on there. You can follow it along there. Find it on your phones, your iPads. If you're, 
If you're old school, you can get a proper paper book like me, and that works too. Philippians chapter 2 is a passage written to two guys called Philip and Ian by a guy called Paul. (laughs) That's true. And uh, I'm going to jump in at verse 5. And it says this, you should have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. This is Paul now. He's going to describe the Christmas story for us. He says this, though he, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality as, with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. He appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at that name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Wow, Jesus was in the best place. He was in the heavens. He was in the sublime and he chose to leave. But not just that, he chose to become a man. But not just that, he chose to become a slave. But not just that, he chose to die. But not even just that. He chose to die the most painful and brutal kind of death. But not, not even just that. He chose to die the most brutal and painful kind of death for you and for me. That's the story of Christmas. He didn't wait for the extraordinary. He came into our ordinary. He transformed our ordinary into his extraordinary. We need to learn to open our eyes and say like, I'm going to see what God is doing right here, right now. I'm not going to miss this moment. I'm not going to look away. I'm not just going to exist. Because God is doing something in your ordinary. You know, I've been around churches for years and we used to pray for hours about revival to come. Revival is here and it's you and it's me. God isn't waiting to break out in some crazy way. He wants you in your ordinary, every single day moment to take advantage, to see him working when you're at your job, when you're at your school, when you're in your neighborhood, when you're in your family, to be present, to be like, Jesus is here with me and that is dangerous for everybody else who I'm around. He wants to transform how you see everyday moments. Look for the extra in your ordinary Point number two, which links in beautifully, is don't wait for the flow. You are the flow. There's a word which I, um, I hate. And, and if, I could, if, I could, if I could be an evil dictator and force people to use language that I could choose, this would, this would, this would be gone. This word would be out of our dictionary. It would be out of our church. You couldn't sit around here on pain of, I don't know, dead legs or something. Uh, And and the word is someday. Someday ruins lives. Do you know, I'll respond to this someday. Yeah, of course I'll get in team, someday. Someday I'll do it. Someday I'll go for it. Yeah, God's got great plans for me and I'm going to go for it someday. Yeah, I'd love to marry you someday. Jesus didn't someday leave heaven 
He didn't say, someday I'm going to do something about this. Jesus said the moment was now. It's present. It's right here. And I don't know if you feel like you have to get it all together before you can start doing some of this stuff. I don't know if you feel like you've got to have a life which shines with glory in order to be able to share Jesus, that, that you have to somehow have a halo which everyone can see to invite someone to church. I don't know who's been telling you that. I don't know if someone's been telling you that you've got to have it all right, that you've got to behave a certain way before you've got it, before you can make your Sunday today. I don't know who's been telling you that you've got to have that mountaintop moment, but you don't. Whoever's been telling you that stuff is lying. Because that is not what I read in this Bible. That is not what Jesus says right here. He doesn't say wait till someday. Jesus says, I'm here now. Do you know, if, if we waited, if all of us waited until we were ready, we would be doing nothing. None of us would ever get there if we were waiting to be perfect. God doesn't want to come to perfection. Perfection came to us. It's completely different. So we don't need to wait till some days. I love the way that uh, uh, Paul says this in another book called To Romans, which is a, uh, it's not the name of a guy. It's, a, it's another church in Rome. And he says it in this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. A lot of you will know this verse. It's one of those verses. It's like, commit this to memory. He says, holding the Bible, about to read it out to you. But you should do what I say and not what I do in this moment, because this is an amazing verse. And I wanted to memorize it, but my brain is bad. It says this, verse uh, 31. If God is for us, who could be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Do you know something? The best gift you're ever going to get at Christmas, you already got 2,000 years ago. Jesus gave you everything you need on Christmas Day on the very first one. You don't need to change your job. You don't need to change your situations. You don't need to change your seasons. You don't need to wait till someday because Jesus already gave it to you in the past. You've already got it. Yeah. And what if you knew that? What if you made Jesus the center of your Christmas, that everywhere you went, people were like, oh no, here comes that guy again. I've got to get ready because we're going to somehow be talking about Jesus because everything comes back to Jesus. Like This is the best time of the year because you can talk about anything and bring it back to Jesus. You can be stuck in a queue in Primark and it's like, well, you're stuck in this queue with me and they're playing Christmas songs and you know who that baby in the manger was? That's the full glory of God who created everything in a little baby. That's amazing. And do you know why you're buying presents? You might not know this. You might think it's Santa Claus, but Santa Claus is St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas is awesome. St. Nicholas punched a guy in the face because he said he didn't believe in Jesus. I love St. Nicholas. True story, true story. It changes everything. You see, when you learn to maximize your moments, the things you used to run from, you start running to. That's how you know you've got it. That day at work that you're like, I just don't want to go in, you're like, I can't wait to get in because God is going to do something in my workplace today. You drive to work, you're like, I hope someone smashes into my car because I've got some radical forgiveness inside me that I need to just give away today. So you guys better watch out of those red lights. <laughs> you change the way you think. You start looking at everything differently. I believe the greatest present this year is God's presence in your presence lived out as a present for the world. Now you're not here just for yourself. And that you're here to look in the moment 
and, and say, I've got a gift that God has given me that I, I just can't hold back. And so I love Josh doing that just this morning in the queue to Costa. I love the opportunity we have right now. Like, let's not lose a moment. Let's text people straight away. Let's just invite people. Let's not miss it. I love in the worship, we're like, let's not just sing songs. Let's, let's meet with the God who created the world, who became flesh. Let's not miss these moments. I saw a story on Facebook this week, and I was like, this just sums this up for me, because I thought this was awesome. Uh, and I asked Lucy, and she said that I could share this, but I didn't really know too much about this, and I was just reading through it. And if you can't read it, I'm going to read out what she says. She put this as her status. Allow me to restore your faith in humanity through these five photographs. Some incredible friends who, I, who have chosen to remain anonymous. And I believe that you might be sitting here today, at least some of you. Club together to pay for our new house to be redecorated. We wish we could thank each one of you for your contribution to this incredible blessing, but all I can do is hope that Hannah Lambeth, the one who organized these crazy shenanigans, sounds like Hannah, can get the message to you. If she didn't, I hope I am. Uh, and then she, she goes on at the end, we're completely overwhelmed. Thank you, beautiful people, whoever you are. When you're in the moment, you give like Jesus gives. And it overwhelms people. Uh, the, the giving in this way points directly to Jesus. And I love this story. I love it. I love that the people who gave, whoever, whoever they are, that they didn't, they didn't want to be known. They didn't be like, hey, look at this amazing present I'm giving you. It was, like, it was completely anonymous. It, was like, it wasn't about them. It was about bringing love. And that always points to Jesus. Uh, can I get the band to come up? Because I'm going to be wrapping up. The other thing that I love, which I really wanted to bring out through this, uh, and I hope that she's a little bit embarrassed, is Hannah. Um, I love that she saw a need and she didn't think somebody should do something about that someday. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody helped those people out? That'd be amazing. I'd love to hear that story on Sunday. She, she didn't wait for Sunday. She was present. She was in the moment. She saw a need and she said, like, maybe God's put me right here in this moment, right now, to make a difference for those people. And that is awesome. And that is the story of Christmas. And that is what we want to get. I, I want to finish by giving us a chance for a moment. Uh, and I believe that there's, there's people here today who a lot of this is, is new. Uh, a lot of this is radical. Uh, the Bible uh, in John 3.16, it's the most famous verse in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's gift for us was Jesus. And I believe that we only truly get this thing, this moment. We only truly get to transform the world around us. We only truly get to live as we're supposed to live when we've realized that present. That gift that was already given to us on that very first Christmas day. And the point of that gift was to change our lives. To change our lives now in the present and to change our lives forever. That, that we don't have to die. We don't have to, to die forever, but that, that God came to save us. I think a lot of the time in life we talk about, about the problems that we see, the suffering, the pain, the hurt. 
And, and all in the world, in, in the news and everything, we're, we're just looking at the symptoms. And we try and we solve the symptoms, but, but we don't go deep enough. We don't go to the root, and the root of all the problems that we see, the root of all the pain that we see, is sin. It's this ugly word that we don't like to talk about called sin. And at its root, sin is really believing a lie. It's been given the wrong information and believing it. And Jesus' death was a death to save you from your sin. And I want you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you can't say I follow him, you can't say I have a relationship with him, or maybe you used to and you've been away, I want to give you a chance to make this your moment. To say right here, right now, I don't want to be here and not be here. I don't want to be here, be present and be absent. I don't want to miss out what God wants to do through me this week, what He wants to do through me for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to be in. I want to be in 100%. And I'm going to ask everybody right now to please just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want this to be your decision. I don't want you to be thinking about what your mates next to you are doing whether they're putting up their hands, whether they're not putting up their hands. I don't want you to be worried about what anybody's thinking because it's not about them. This is about you and this is about God and this is about a moment right now. And if you want to make that decision, we've got some people who'll come and they'll give you a gift and they'll pray for you. But I'm going to just count to three and keep it simple. And when I get to three, I'd love it if you could just raise your hand so that I can see you. So we can get you those gifts. We haven't even started counting and hands are going up already. But I'm going to count now for you. So if you want to say, I want to follow Jesus today, put your hand up. One. If you want to say, I want to turn away from sin, I want to turn away from my life, put your hand up. Two. If you want to say, I want everything to change from this moment on, that today I'm drawing a line in the sand, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I want him to transform my future. I want to know what Christmas is really about. And right now, put them up high, wherever you're sitting. Three, thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Anybody else? I'll give you one more moment. Hold it up high so that we can get some people to you. You can get some books to you. Somebody's going to come. They're going to pray with you. But I just want to pray for you as well. Lord, I pray in this moment that this will be a turning point for their lives that from this moment on, they will know you in a radical way, that this will be a time when they look back and they say, that was when everything changed. That was when I met the God who created the universe, the God who designed me, and He became somebody who I had a relationship with, somebody who I was close with. I pray that as you go from here, wherever you go, into your work, into your school, into your university, into your home, into your neighbourhood, that something will be different. The lives are being transformed even now around you, everywhere you go. That you'll go from just existing to being a catalyst of change because you carry the King of Kings. Even now as you make this decision, you carry the King of Kings everywhere you go. Thank you, Lord. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.